Welcome to Brazos Matters. I'm Jay Sokol. My guest today is Peter Lang, Associate Vice President of Transportation Services at Texas A&M University. And Peter oversees one of the largest parking, transportation, and fleet operations of any college campus in America. Peter Lang, thank you for being here. Great. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jay. You bet. And, and I made your slice of the university operations sound a little bit uh, simple and ho-hum, but I think you and your staff are responsible for a mind-blowing number of campus and community aspects. So would you mind giving me a sense of the depth and breadth of all that you oversee? Sure, sure. I'll start uh, I'll start in the big part, which is the parking side of the house. And uh we have over 36,000 parking spaces, so that's more than than basically anybody in the country, Ohio State and ourselves, go back and forth about who has the most parking spaces and 36,001 or who has 36,005, <laughs> okay, right. so we're both right about there. Uh, but it is a, a massive operation. There's you know, seven garages plus all the surface lots, uh, permitting processes, enforcement processes, all the gate equipment that's on campus, the gate go up and gate go down stuff there's more we have more lanes of equipment than the dfw airport does and it's just a a large complex uh parking system with lots of rules and regs and different kinds of permits and assignments and wait lists and and everything that kind of goes along along with it um transit is another massive operation it's one of the largest uh transit operations on a college campus in the country Uh, matter of fact if we stood alone um our transit operation would be the seventh largest in the state behind the big metro areas behind Houston, Dallas, Austin, wow. and, uh, and those, uh, those areas. Um, we'll do, um, we think this year we're going to be pushing 7 million rides, which is uh, getting back up to some big numbers that we had um, almost four or five years ago. Um, ridership dropped off during uh, the COVIDs and uh, has really come back uh, gangbusters. The, um, I mean, that's almost 45 or 50,000 rides a day. That's during, a lot. During the week, that's a lot. <laughs> now, when you talk about the, the, the sheer size of that operation, are you talking in terms of ridership or an area covered or in both? No, it's, it's really kind of ridership is the way we kind of talk about it in the transit, uh, in the transit world. There's, you know, vehicle miles traveled and some things like that, but just typically ridership is kind of that benchmark number. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this semester we've already really probably on Monday or Tuesday, we'll tick over 3 million rides. Now, am I right to say that it's not just students who are riding your buses? It's not just limited to students, correct? It's it's not. Faculty, staff uh, are, are welcome to ride, free to ride as well. We also partner with Brazos Transit, and uh, we honor their passes on our system. If uh, any anybody wants to uh, ride our system, they can buy a pass from Brazos Transit, or if they're already using a Brazos Transit pass, they can... Uh, uh, ride our system and then uh brazos transit honors all of our student ids and faculty staff ids on their system as well so a kind of cooperative agreement between the two so how unique is is that setup uh, uh, when compared to other communities we that's that's kind of common kind of thing whereas you have sort of interlocal kind of agreements and things like that it's not it's not uncommon okay. to, to do stuff like that okay so have you covered the the basics of, of everything that you oversee? Because it's, I missed I missed fleet. I, I, I was going to say it doesn't feel like it, it's nearly enough. I, mean, I missed our fleet operation. So we're also responsible for the the fleet on campus, which is about six hundred vehicles, okay. um, and that's everything from a, a you know a, a four door sedan to um, 
garbage trucks and uh, specialty equipment uh, that we procure for um, all the different organizations on on campus. And so uh, we also maintain those Mm -hmm. uh, vehicles. We have a heavy equipment shop where we work on all the diesel stuff, the buses, plus the garbage trucks. And there's always some kind of weird ag farm equipment that looks like a it landed on another planet and it's got stuff everywhere and, and, uh, giant tires and, and so that kind of stuff. And we'll work on golf carts and scooters and all, all the regular vehicles as well. Oil changes, tires, you know, just about anything we can, we can handle out at the shop. Okay. Gas station out on agronomy. Yeah. Which I've been to. I've been to, I actually, uh, helped one of our coworkers figure out how in the world to navigate that area. The, uh, Matter of fact, on all those vehicles, there's technology that uh, so you don't have to key in your mileage and stuff anymore. It just talks and lets you captures all your mileage. Won't let you put the wrong kind of fuel in the vehicle if you try to put diesel in a gas gas vehicle. Won't let you do that. So, so how how different does this operation look now compared to when you inherited it? What twenty years ago? Yeah, so- I've been here twenty years. It, it it is different, and 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 sort of the 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 common thing is growth, right? The university has grown. I think when I got here, there was forty eight thousand students in in 03 uh 49,000 or so and and so now we ticked over 70 and and so growth has been that that driver of what has made the changes to to our department there's there's just more of everything right there's more buses there's more students there really isn't that many more parking spaces actually but um uh, the sort of sophistication of the of the operation technology you know really permeates absolutely everything that we that we do um, and it's just uh, staff staffing has grown and responsibilities has, have grown uh, game day is a great op, uh, example of that when when I got here we really didn't do anything for for game day we had a minimal amount of devices that we put out to uh, keep people from parking in some certain areas. But other than that, we really didn't do a lot. And now that's grown into uh, an operation that is, uh, you know, something that you would see at an NFL stadium with over 300 people working on a game day from parking transit and special event operations. It's just a massive, massive undertaking. Yeah. How many people do you have working for transportation services? So there's, uh, we have 195 budgeted positions, about 30 of those are part of the centralized groups. Mm -hmm. And then we have another um, 300, 320 student workers, and then another uh, 40 or 50 wage, wage workers. I think when we run payroll, it's around five, five or 600. Wow. The, um, uh, and students are such a integral part of our operation. That's the bulk of our bus drivers are students. Yeah, it, I've always heard, even back when I was a student here, that the best job on campus was to be a bus driver. It is still a popular job. We, we, try, to, uh, we try to pay well. Um, but the, one of the biggest drivers, no pun intended, <laughs> nice. is, the, is the flexibility uh, in their scheduling. And so 
it's a little bit different than other transit agencies that would have full-time employees or in eight-hour shifts. They would cut their day up accordingly that we have a couple-hour time blocks. And so we allow a lot of flexibility. So we have a lot of our drivers that you know, the main stops are, are here at the MSC and the Trigon. And so drivers will have a, a couple-hour shift and they can get on and get off the bus here at the, at the Trigon or the MSC and start their shift and get off and go to class and, and kind of work it between their day hmm. between their class schedule and so i think that flexibility has made uh, uh, made the job really popular is it ever enough are, are there enough parking spaces are there enough nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> never. You, just a blanket no nope not enough buses never enough you know drivers never enough parking spaces there's just no you know it's always you kind of always uh, chase it like say, at least say there's not enough uh, convenient parking spaces is right. always the is always the thing but we are you know, honestly, as uh, as the campus has grown and the parking inventory has uh, been fairly static, well, you know, we might build a garage like the nice one that's next here, but we built that on top of a surface lot and we'll lose another surface lot. And so the inventory will jump up and down a little bit, but it's been pretty steady over the last uh, 10, 15 years or so. Um, but the campus population has grown. And right. so we are kind of bumping up our practical limitations at the moment. How how challenging is it to to do what you do? Um, you've got Texas A and M that is within the broader College Station city limits, and with Brian right at the border, and you've got a railroad, and there there seem to be all kinds of uh, other jurisdictions at play that affect what you do. How often do you have to sort of navigate that? Absolutely, and and it's all the time. Um, so we have to navigate it all the time. So the community, we have to work really well with uh, Bryan College Station, the county, both cities, TxDOT, um, because of what we're doing and where we're doing where we're doing that. So, a, you know, a large uh, project like 20 to 18 that you know is off campus you wouldn't think would affect us very much, but it certainly does because um, we have transit routes that are that are there uh, on game day. It's our major uh, pipe to the south that yeah. we pump all the West Campus uh, traffic to. And so those types of things are really, really impactful. And so we have a number of uh, coordination meetings and uh, we've done some joint grant oper- you know, grant application kind of stuff. We've partnered on a number of, of things. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be the university's representative on the Bryan College Station Metro Paulton Planning Organizations Board right. Policy Board, and so um, we are we are really plugged in. But something like a game day takes all those entities, right? right? So this, I mean, that's PD, that's DPS, that's TxDOT, that's Brian, that's College Station, that's Twelfth Man, that's Athletics, it's us. It's you know just on and on Chamber, and it just keeps going on and on of of what kind of community partnerships it takes to be able to to pull this off, and. Uh, a, a tremendous amount of coordination when it comes to street projects in the in the city. Yeah, the one because I came here after being at the city of College Station for a number of years, and the project that's just been looming forever, it feels like, and it's still coming, I guess, is at George Bush Drive and Welburn Road, and that has to just keep you up at night thinking about what's going to happen. You no, know, I actually think about retirement in that project to try to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's see if there's some coordination. I mean, seriously, that can there. what what in the world are you going to do with that? So it's it's going to be uh, impactful. 
that might be the understatement yeah, of, the, of yeah. the decade. Um, you know, TxDOT um, started working on the project in 99. Has it been that long? It's been that long. Wow. And so wow. there's been um, variations and plans and, and things are actually moving. The project is fully funded now. It's funded um, at 103 million. It is uh, on the books to uh, let uh, late in in 25. Um, but we're you know working with TxDOT, we want to really make sure that we have a project that we're going to be happy with from a university perspective, system perspective, community perspective, and they are they are really working towards making that happen. But just you know looking at looking at the plan and knowing what they have to do, which is put George Bush Drive underneath the railroad tracks and create a nice, uh, safe pedestrian path. So their current plan has about a 35-foot hole that they have to dig in order to be able to do that um, with uh, the Welburn lanes coming up uh, over that hole, that there's no way to, to dig that hole and do what they need to do without being impactful. And that's going to take some time and not just like, it's not a weekend project. That's, you know, that's months and months and months and months of construction. And so there's potential that, that, uh, there's going to be a full closure for, um, probably between 10 and 18 months or something like that to be able to. (laughs) I like the way your voice got (laughs) soft when you said that. Yeah. Um, but those plans are kind of, the means and methods are still being worked out to to give us a better idea of exactly what's going to happen um, and the timing of it too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, extremely impactful. We had a we had a last summer before last. We had the little we had a little practice run. We had uh, when they worked on Holloman. Yeah, they took the hump out there at Wellburn and and Holloman. So yes. you don't. Uh, and so that was closed for uh, several weeks, like six weeks or so. So a little practice. That was painful. Closed. That was painful. A little practice, uh, but but yeah, it's going to be extremely impactful. The uh, we've already started on the transit side. We have you know a number of routes that use Welburn Road and come through there. So we're starting to think about how we're going to uh, handle that and where we can shift those routes to in order to be able to avoid that. Twenty eighteen will be done by then. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Right. You said that with a tiny question mark. (laughs) So, uh, you know, 2018 will become that a a big part of the of the detour and the the bypass around that. One other challenge that will happen at that same time is that Highway 6 will be under construction as well. So they'll be adding a lane to Highway 6 from from Fitch all the way up to. uh, 21. Yeah, North I think that's right. So that'll be under construction at the same time that uh, that Bush Welburn is, and so we've just you, there aren't any more projects that are can be done over the summer. The community's too big, the yes. projects are too big, and um, things are. Um, you know, we have big city kind of problems when it comes to the infrastructure and traffic and and what it takes to be able to do that. Fortunately, 2018 is moving along, and I think they're going to do a lane shift here in the next uh, several weeks, get that bridge open from 2018 to southbound Welburn, which will be great. Uh, So hopefully that will happen in the next uh, month or so, and things will get better. Excellent. So if you just tuned in, I'm Jay Sokol. You're listening to Brazos Matters. And my guest is Peter Lang, Associate Vice President of Transportation Services for Texas A&M. 
So talk to me a little bit about plug-in electric vehicles, PEVs. Are we out of control yet, or are we actually somewhat in control? No, I don't. I think it's because we're my on, head is on, on the edge. My head yeah. is on a swivel yeah. every day that I'm walking up to this building, um, because there's a lot of different stuff coming at me. Yeah. So those PEVs are all the scooters. Uh, they're the one-wheeled, unicycle kind of things. Mm-hmm. They're electric skateboards. They're the electric uh, big wheel things. Um, they're electric bikes, pedal assist electric bikes, and there's kind of all those things that kind of f- fit into that category. Um, kind of separate from the VO the VO program. We can talk a little bit about that too. But yeah. the, um, the the popularity of those. Uh, devices has grown and grown and grown. And so it, it is kind of a double-edged sword because they are a p- pretty convenient way to get around. However, they add to the to the chaos that happens at class change eight times a day. Mm. And so with the amount of pedestrians that we have, like this building, I mean, there are like 2,200 seats in this building. And so at class change, there's couple thousand people going that way and a couple thousand people coming this way and yes. it is can be a little nutty um and so the bikes peds and the vehicles all all play into that and so we're, we are uh going to start working on a uh, a campaign around um the awareness of of what's happening uh the response everybody's responsibilities the kind of the personal responsibility side of what a vehicle what a bike and what a what a border or a unicycler needs to do in order to be able to coexist um we don't want to um you know shut off things and and not do it because we think there are some um some positives to it but everybody needs to really play nice in order to be able to to make it happen and i think we don't have a lot of that right now it's a lot of uh everybody's you know bikes blaming the peds peds blaming the cars cars blaming the pevs right and it just kind of goes around in a circle but if everybody was a little bit more in tune to what they're doing and you know maybe not having the earbuds in and they're looking at their phone while they're on their electric device you're asking a lot i know so so what 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 needs to happen do you get do you sort of declare areas where you're not going to ride this stuff. You're going to get off and walk and carry that thing or, or like, how do you uh, make a change in what's already becoming a a real ingrained habit? It's going to have to be a little bit of everything there. There is not a, a a one, you know, magic kind of silver building kind of thing for this problem. It's going to have to be a whole combination of things. It's, there's going to have to be a cultural change part of it on that responsibility stuff that I was just talking about. We're going to have to have some no wheel zone, Mm -hmm. uh, dismount zone kind of stuff. We have one over here by the MSC military walk is, uh, not supposed to have a wheels component. Uh, the parallel path is where you're supposed to be able to ride that. Um, we have some gaps in our, in our bike path network on campus Mm -hmm. and into the community that we need to work on to make sure that those paths are, are complete. I mean, our hope is, is that we would, we would have a better path for a bike or a PEV that, uh, maybe looks a little bit longer, but it is a better way to get around instead of, uh, cutting through the heart of campus would actually, you know, maybe there's a, a path that, uh, that we define better that, uh, uh can get them there quicker and safer, but everybody's going to have to, um, do a better job in order to, 
to make it work. Yeah, I think those things are here to stay. Yeah. So, so this and, it's, is- and I think too that you see today is not a good example because there's not a lot of folks on campus. But you know, even during so that you know that problem happens is so acute at class change when mm-hmm. so many people are are moving. While clashes in session, it's not. It's almost almost a non-issue and so it's something that we have to find a balance and we've got to get everybody on board i think this is a great example out here around the msc and this has been i guess five or six years since we reworked this area out here but used to have parking out here and uh, vehicles back in and out spaces with uh, not having a path for bikes to go uh, contraflow around the around the msc we built wider sidewalks we gave bike paths on both sides and it, it really got a lot better when we were able to define those paths better and so um you know magic wand you'd be able to do that sort of thing absolutely everywhere yeah um we added some little things like adding some market markings over in the pickard pass uh underneath uh, underneath Welburn there by the between the garage and Kyle to really help define where those the the bikes are supposed to be or the PEVs are supposed to be versus where the peds are supposed to be to try to really get that separation to get those vehicles over on the wheeled vehicles over on the edges and things like that seems to have helped they seem to understand what they're supposed to do but again there's a connection missing between the passageway to head north in front of the Stallings Garage and up Stallings Boulevard. You know what? What does that cyclist do when they pop out of the passageway on either end? Right. Where's that network for them? And that's the kind of gap I'm talking about. Right. So I have all these things that I want to touch on, and we've got time that's just blazing by. So I'm going to give you the choice of of what you focus on uh, for the rest of our time. So I was going to throw at you things like quiet zone and a mode split survey and your uh first friday shuttle program things like that so so what's an area that you want to make sure that we hear about um well, quick plug for the the first friday shuttle that's just a quick plug where we uh, downtown brian uh p- partners with us they're running a charter that provides uh uh, service from the MSC uh, every 30 minutes from 6 to 9.30. So students that are on campus can jump on and, and go down to First Friday. Uh, the Quiet Zone is an ongoing effort to um, uh, have the train not blow its horn at um, our three campus intersections. So mm-hmm. that would be Kimbrough at Welburn, Old Main at Welburn, and F&B at Welburn. Right. And so uh, it is an extensive process. Um, the, the way the process is actually defined is defined by the FRA, the Federal Railroad Administration. Uh, it's not defined by the railroads. And so, um, but the railroads are the drivers of the requirements that you have to do to make um, the intersection more safe so that they won't need to blow their horn as they go through that intersection. And so over the last few years, we've been uh, completing the construction related pieces of that like there has to be the curbs have to be so high and the gates have to be in certain locations and driveways have to be closed and improvements have to be made and all those improvements have been made there's some upgrades that have to still happen to signal cabinets we've uh, for example as part of the quiet zone project at uh, Wellburn and Kimbrough, we eliminated at-grade pedestrian crossings, so right. there are no more crosswalks out there. Pedestrians are all directed down into the 
into the passageway to be able to cross. Um, fortunately, the old main uh, crossing, when that was built in 16, with the passageway, that uh, it was built to those quiet zone standards. And so we didn't have to do as much work there. F&B had to be reconstructed. And, and working with the railroad is, uh, you know, you have to kind of work on their schedule in order to be able to accomplish things. And so there are some challenges there, but we continue to, we have some punch list kind of items on the construction side. We're waiting for another cabinet to come in and then some signal design work from the railroad. And we hope to get that implemented this spring and then apply for the quiet zone. Yeah. So be honest with me, how many transportation related changes have occurred at Texas A&M simply because you were personally inconvenienced frustrated <laughs> or had some kind of a near miss and you're like you know what i'm taking care of that <laughs> so uh i would say all of the uh, uh concrete repairs on bazil <laughs> over the last three years uh because we moved our office uh over to the polo road garage were ah. direct impact of when we moved our office and i was driving over those we've got to get that fixed good gotta to be the that, king got to get that fixed uh now it, it it's you know we're all users of the system and so and you know, we have uh, it, it it's a great university. It's it's amazing how big the place is, but how small we can make it feel. And I like I like that. And I think the the you know the administrative team uh, across campus. There's a lot of longevity from in Res Life and in student affairs, uh, athletics, um, you know, academic affairs. We have some great partners around campus, and so no, nobody's afraid to to reach out and say, hey, you know, what about this or what about mm-hmm. that? We're missing a light or what about this pavement or fix this or fix that? And so, yeah, it, it, uh, um, takes a little bit of time to, to make some of these improvements, but, um, we you chip away at it and it gets better. Yeah. So with a couple of minutes left, what, what have we missed that you want to make sure we know about? Um, surveys, passion projects, big, big, big things coming up. I think we uh, the mode split surveys out there. I think it's got a, a little bit more time. That's just uh, we try to reach out every year or two to the campus community, and and we think we know how people get to campus. Um, obviously, we have a lot of data about who has a permit and a parking permit and who doesn't, what their class standing is, and things like that. But it's uh, uh, we do check to see um, for those that don't have a permit that are getting to campus, um, obviously we know ridership, but we don't know if they're not riding the bus. Are they, are they biking? Are they walking? Are they, are they riding a, uh, a PEV? And so we, we reach out to see, uh, what they're doing. And then well, every once in a while we'll ask an attitudinal kind of question about, you know, would they be willing to kind of thing? And so, um, you know, that just kind of helps, uh, drive the data of, of, uh, of the program, you know, we really, there's, you know, student wise, and we have like 42,000 permits out there, 36,000 parking spaces, about all the faculty staff have a permit. So that's about 10,000. And so we really have, um, less than half of the students have, have a parking permit. Hmm. So they are getting to class, getting to campus another, another way they're riding the bus. Um, they're walking the development in Northgate I think has made a, a, a difference about how close uh, students are and uh, the amount of ped traffic that's coming across University Drive is yes. uh, amazing and the, the bikes and the PEVs that, that come with it um, yeah so it's just a, another uh, data point that we like to have and uh, understand what our what our commuters are doing and how they're doing it 
So we have to have you come back because there's so many other things I want to talk to you about. But if, if people want to kind of learn a little bit more about what you do and all the options that are available to them and so forth, website, uh, place Webs- they can go. Websites, website's great, transport.tamu.edu. We also uh, live inside of uh, the Tamu mobile app as well. Lots of uh, all the parking information's there, lots of maps. Um, Destination Aggieland is also ours, which is inside of the Tamu mobile app for all event parking. Uh, don't have to talk about football anymore, but basketball information's there. Uh, baseball information will be there and, and uh, how to get around for those uh, for all those events. And it's great information uh, about campus and the community. Okay. Peter Lang, thanks for the talk. Thanks, Jake.